Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so I know y'all like it when I say it. Another day, another slay. And welcome back yes. to our last live show of 2021. And the gang is all here. Hi. Hi. It's yeah. A, it's a shady. Fr- oh, is my mic on? Yeah, you're oh, Yeah, on we hear you, Shar. Perfect. It's a shady Friday. We all got our shades on. Yes, Shar Jassil is here. Shira, what's up, Queen? I feel like I'm moving to like Night at the Roxbury right now with my head. <laughs> What is Night of the Roxbury? What is that? that You don't know that movie? Oh, my God. uh, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan. Sherry, you can't trust Ryan. He's never seen Selena. First of all, that was was 1998, girl. Nevertheless, uh, Shira, update from yesterday. Ryan, I don't know if you were listening. I got my booster this morning. Moderna. Come checking on. in. Easy breezy beautiful okay. Moderna girl. Check, How do you in. feel? Right now I feel fine. I'm sipping my electrolyte supplement and I put something on my stomach. Yes. But uh, I feel fine and hopefully I will continue to feel fine. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. Char mentioned that we're all wearing sunglasses. She's not in studio, but she's doing it over the Zoom because I have prescription sunglasses and everyone just wants to wear their sunglasses, I guess. But Char's looks really in cute. In solidarity, Whoopi. <laughs> It's a party here. It's a, you know, the end of the year party. Are y'all sad that it's our last live show of the year? Kind of, sort of. It's kind of crazy, right? Sheer, we were just talking about, (laughs) we've been doing this for like so long. I know. We are going into, uh, going into 2022, our fourth year, even though October is our Channel Q anniversary. But if you're talking about years, it's our fourth year, which is crazy. Yeah, like it's just wild doing this. So you and Shira have been doing this show for as long as someone would go to high school. Yes. Wow. Uh, so you see, we've evolved the same. We have. We have. Wow. Well, on today's show, we have a good one. We have Neon by Glad joining us to discuss their new Change Maker series that highlights Black queer small business owners, which is really, really good. I'm telling you, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Plus, we're talking about the collective whiplash that we've all gotten because of the Omicron. Um, so get ready for that. That's coming up later this hour. But first, Cheryl Lazar, let's get into the What's Trending this hour. Yep. Well, a federal court in New York dismissed a lawsuit filed by a Christian wedding photographer who refused to photograph same-sex marriages. The woman, Emily Carpenter, filed the federal lawsuit in April, arguing that New York's non-discrimination laws forced her to choose between going against her faith by photographing same-sex weddings and paying fines of up to $100,000. Uh, now, U.S. District Judge Frank Garassi Jr. of Western New York dismissed those claims this week, saying that the court is not persuaded by her argument. Mm. 
You know, this is taking me back to, remember the Amy woman who didn't want to do the marriage licenses in Kentucky? Yeah. And she became a meme. Yeah. All in the name of Christianity. It's so strange to me I when people put gay people particularly um, on a pedestal in the name of, of religion. You know, being anti-gay. Well. Yeah. They overlook everything else. <laughs> I hope she loses all her footage for everything that she does. Okay. There you go. Putting it out there. She's a wedding photographer. Uh, I don't want her to succeed. I just think that it's obvious that we shouldn't be hiring her. I mean, at this point, you just Google that photographer and right away you see what she's done it's not or even, hasn't done. It's not even just not hiring her. I, if, if she does get hired, I want everything to fail on her. I want her to have bad equipment. I want the lights to mess up. I don't want her to succeed. You know what the worst is? Is when you get those digital cameras. Has this, has this ever happened to you and you think you're taking pictures? Yes. And it's snapping and clicking and then nothing's... I want that to happen, exactly. Well, you know what's the wor- on her. <laughs> what the worst is, is when you're trying to take a video and you buy mistake press ends... And then when you press the record button, you're actually pressing when you're not. Yes, yes, yes. I've done that too. Okay. Um, Moving on. Roger Stone is claiming he invoked the Fifth Amendment to every question posed by the January 6th committee. I did invoke my Fifth Amendment rights to every question, not because I have done anything wrong, but because I am fully aware of the House Democrats' long history Uh, of fabricating perjury charges on the basis of comments that are innocuous, immaterial, or irrelevant. Uh, I question the legitimacy. Okay, yeah, that's why you're um, not being honest. It's all because of the Democrats. (laughs) You know, this is is never ending. This is never ending. And I just want it to end. It's so funny because I think I feel like the the Fifth Amendment is like a fail safe to like say you're guilty but not be guilty. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just like oh, anyone who does it, it's just like I know your teeth. Thanks for letting me know, but you're still <laughs> saved, I guess. It's like one of those childhood games like Marco Polo or Tag Your yeah, It. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's weird. Heads up, seven up. Simon says it just reminds me of things along that course. Like <laughs> I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. <laughs> I mean, he obviously is listening to his lawyers on that one. Uh, now, moving on, COVID-19 infections, as we know, and hospitalizations are rising once again. And it's prompting a new wave of cancellations and disruptions as the country prepares, unfortunately, for another pandemic holiday season. The U.S. is averaging 118,717 new COVID-19 cases each day, Stop. 40% higher than a month ago, Please. according to Johns Hopkins University. So that's uh, really unfortunate. And just, you know, classes are moving back online. Broadway shows are canceling. Uh, sports leagues are postponing their games. And we're going to end up back in quarantine. That's literally what I feel like is the next thing. Like, this is it, it's intense because I, I just feel like, and we were talking about this off air, the news around the variants and everything happening, it just feels like it's getting more and more intense. And I'm getting... I guess like a, it just reminds me of when the, this first happened and how scared I was. Yeah, I'm starting yeah. to feel those feelings again when I, I felt like me I'm too. just now. Me too. I was just now winding down, feeling like, OK, I'm OK. At least we lived it up this summer. We All sure did. We considered. had a good time this summer. <laughs> and I just have to say, my fellow Capricorns, I am so sorry. Uh, our season starts, I believe, on Thursday. Nevertheless, um, time, for, time for the tea report. Now, yep, yesterday, yesterday we discussed that there were two women that came forward about uh, sexual assault allegations for Chris Noth, who we know plays Mr. Big on Sex in the City and, and just like that. Well, now there's a 
third. And this is an actress. And I should mention the uh, previous two accusers. They're going by a pseudonym. So their names are we don't know their names. But this actress, uh, Zoe Lister-Jones, has come forward and she says that Chris Noth acted inappropriately to her on the set of Law & Order. Not only was he drunk, but he smelled her neck and whispered in her ear, you smell good. And drank alcohol that he hid under the table in between takes. Now, she has a lengthy Instagram post about this, but I have to ask both of you all, do you think, you know, that more people, more women are going to come forward? Probably. I mean, honestly, I it's kind of I watched and just like that last night um, and it was a difficult watch just because of all the news that was around. I could not. That's why you should have watched it last week when it premiered. I know. So you could have enjoyed it. I couldn't watch his character. I couldn't. There was just even because it was sexual, like there was sexual moments. And I was just thinking about him. And then you can't when you're online, you're thinking about Beverly Johnson, who actually reported about him back in the 90s. And that we should mention that wasn't sexual. That was flat out. It was abuse. Domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing Beverly Johnson up. I, for some reason, that slipped my mind, and I had yeah. every intention to talk about that. But that was the tea report for this hour. Yes. All right. So let's get started with the show. We got tons coming up this hour. A single senator is about to seriously set back Joe Biden's entire presidential agenda. Find out next and who it is coming up. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, honey, despite months of being courted, Senator Joe Manchin is still not uh, giving a yes on President Joe Biden's big $2 trillion domestic package. So what happens if he doesn't say yes? Well, guess what? Joining us is our favorite political commentator, Jackie Copel. Thank you so much for joining the party. My pleasure. Happy to be here as always. No, okay, please. I'm so over Joe Manchin. Please. What are his concerns <laughs> and are they ba- like valid? Uh, it's concerns over money. Um, that's that's basically what it's come down to. That's what it came down to in the infrastructure bill. That's what it's coming down to with the Build Back Better bill. Um, he he basically feels like it's it's too much. Uh, I know one of the hiccups is on the child care tax credits, um, but that's that's you know the holdup is money, and 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 that's where he's standing. And, and ultimately, it comes down to him. Yeah. So I guess there's no way that Democrats can get around him if they need to do it. Like, what options are there? There really aren't um, because he is the 50th vote, right? There are two senators who have really held, held things up for Democrats. It's uh, Kirsten Sinema and then Joe Manchin. Uh, Joe Manchin, in this case, is, is the greater holdout with regard to uh, the Build Back Better bill. But if they can't get him on board, they can't get the bill passed. It's really that simple. This is not a matter of, um, you know, do you need 60 votes? You need a majority. And Democrats only have uh, a a majority in the sense that they have the 50 plus Kamala Harris. <laughs> and so therefore, um, if, if Joe Manchin is not on board, it will not happen. So there's no way, just for clarification, there's no way that Democrats can get around him if needed. As far as I'm aware, no, because it's, it's like any other bill that has to pass. You have to have a majority of the Senate on board. Uh, and he is not on board. And therefore, I mean, in, I guess in theory, <laughs> you could argue executive action, but President Biden is not going to use executive mm-hmm. action to push Build Back Better. That's 
going to happen. Well, that's and that a, would be contested on so many levels. Well, Jackie, here's the frustrating thing too, because it's 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 not only him kind of having uh, Joe Biden having to deal with the some Democrats who are not coming on, specifically Joe Manchin, of course, but then also it's like he's dealing with Republicans who are trying to block the you know voting rights. How do you see him handling these things, and is he kind of doing enough? Because it just seems like there's so much on his plate that something's going to fall through the cracks. Well, I mean, that's ultimately it's a question of balance, right? They're trying to do things one at a time and they're trying to do things quickly. So and it's a tough thing because then you also have the media narrative, right? These are massive, massive, you know, sort of societal, potentially societal changes, right? The infrastructure bill, this build back better. These are not small things. They don't take five minutes to negotiate. They take a huge amount of time to negotiate. And I think sometimes a lot of people, including the media, sort of cast this narrative saying like, oh, it's not passed yet. Well, I, and to some degree, don't we want it to be like adequately discussed and, and hashed out? Now, I, you know, the time it's now taken, you could argue, is too much. But the point that I'm trying to make is these are massive, massive uh, bills. There are huge amounts of money that could shift society. It's just not something that goes that quickly. And there's, I think it's a mistake to put, you know, pressure, no matter which party is in office, to put that much pressure to say it has to be done you know, rapid, rapidly. Now, of course, keep in mind, Democrats don't have that much longer to pass these big bills because next year are the midterm elections. So you really only have the next, you know, whatever, 11 months to get this done. And once the midterms are in full swing, which happens very soon in the new year, everyone's very focused on re-election. So there is a time limit for the, for the sake of like the electoral calendar. But again, these are big bills. They take time. Is that fair to Biden? You know, that's for everyone to decide themselves. But these you, things are are, uh, are massive. Do you think this will impact Joe Manchin's political future as a Democrat, like in terms of the reelection? No, <laughs> I don't think West Virginia, you know, has it, it's a pretty red state and it has elected Joe Manchin year, you know, or election cycle after election cycle. I don't think it's going to have much, much impact, save for it may convince some Republicans to vote for him more. Uh, but I doubt he's going to lose a ton of Democrats because, you know, at, being a conservative state, many of them are, are uh, more moderate. So as we're going into 2022, what do you think the future of politics and, and when it comes to Democrats and what they're doing, especially going up against GOP, what do you think that looks like for them? Do you, do you, what, do you, what do you think is kind of a priority that they need to make sure that they're focusing on so they don't lose voters because all of these midterms and everything is coming up? I mean, who knows if Joe Biden is going to run for re-election because I doubt he'll get right. it. But, you know, what should they be focused on from your political POV? They have to be focused on messaging. They just passed this big infrastructure bill. Presumably, they, they probably will pass Build Back Better. Of course, you never know. But I think Biden is pretty committed and he'll do what Joe Manchin needs to, to get it to happen. These are, these are, you know, as they say, dinner table issues, right? Getting, you know, tax credits for kids and, and improving, you know, in the infrastructure and getting, you know, the Internet to rural areas. I mean, these are things that really affect people's day-to-day lives or they're called really dinner table or pocketbook issues. Those are the ones that the Democrats should be focused on because those are the issues that helped them gain the majority in the House in 2018. That's what was, was so successful yeah. um, for them, right? So they want to focus on those very things that got them elected in the first place and got them into the majority. They need to keep focusing on that. Well, thank you so much, Jackie Copel. We really appreciate you for joining us and have a wonderful, happy holiday. 
Thank you so very much. Same to you. All right. We got more show coming up. And let me just say this. Yes, the pandemic is ongoing. But why does it seem like Omicron is getting worse and worse and worse and worse? I don't know. Oh, (laughs) all right. There you go. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now with the Omicron variant sending coronavirus cases spiking across the country, it feels like we're right back where we were early last year in 2020. How should we navigate moving forward? Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Joining us for this conversation is Dan Diamond, health reporter from The Washington Post. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me back. Okay, talk about um, this collective whiplash that we're kind of all feeling, because it did seem like with vaccines and booster shots being available, it did seem like we were moving forward. But now reports are just scaring the living hell out of me with just feeling like we're right back where we started. You know, I got a text message from one of my best sources who's been part of the vaccine response these past couple of years. And that person was saying it feels like the most depressing day of the pandemic because people did everything they thought they were supposed to do. They got vaccinated, they got boosters, and yet we're seeing the world shut down. I do think that the the one silver lining so far is the early evidence that the new Omicron variant may not lead to severe symptoms, especially in people who have been vaccinated and boosted. So we are unfortunately just going to have to wait and see if that does bear out. But the whiplash is real. I, I know that for me, it's affecting my plans for the near term and also affecting how I'm I'm trying to take on risk in these coming days until we know more about Omicron. Yeah. And, and these experts you're talking to who shall not be named, uh, what are they saying in terms of the future of this? Like, how long is this going to last? Because I do feel like many people felt like there was hope, like we were out of it, like we were getting back to normal. The experts in the White House, and we had a story at the Post, uh, my colleague Tyler Pager and I, on the whiplash the White House itself is feeling, they, they believe that we are in for a couple of rough weeks 
where cases are going to go to levels that we have not seen before. They will rise very quickly. But again, many of these cases, the symptoms may be mild. In some cases, people who are boosted may get infected with Omicron as a breakthrough case, but have non-existent symptoms. So there will be people testing positive, but maybe not having a bad go of it. Either way, cases will rise quickly. The hope is that they will also rise so quickly that this will be over much faster than some of the other spikes that we saw earlier in the pandemic. Do you see this ever being a non-political issue? Because even if we get over the Omicron hump, there's likely going to be another mutation of it, and we might go through this exact same thing again. So do you ever see us coming together as a nation to put this all behind us? Or are we just going to be on this carousel of continuous booster shots and the threat of, of getting sick? Oh, gosh. I mean, one, I hope that it doesn't get any worse than it's been. And I do think that there's a reason for hope in that there are tools now, there are more tools coming to fight the virus. There are going to be antiviral pills that should be helpful in containing the worst effects of the virus. We didn't have those a year ago. And we also don't know how bad this is going to be. I mean, in some ways, I'd love to come back and talk in three weeks when we'll know more about how Omicron is actually affecting us. Yeah, and my thing is, and I couldn't help but while you were talking, think about obviously the the White House's messaging issue, and it's never been good. <laughs> if we really talk about it, in some in some ways, I wonder, are we just now learning about this? Is it too late to really kind of get on top of this, even with the Omicron kind of us finding out about it just towards the tail end of this year? But are, are we too late of knowing this information for everyone to jump on board and, and for this to really be uh, not affect us in just awful ways moving forward? Well, in terms of Omicron, I think it is it is unfortunate that a lot of Americans who could have gotten boosters didn't get booster shots. And some of that is on the government messaging, which, which was all over the map. Some of that was on Americans who decided to wait on getting boosters. And unfortunately, the booster does appear to be one of the best tools in fending off Omicron. So the sooner that someone can go get a booster, the evidence is the better that person will will be. But the speed in which Omicron is coming, it, it does make it harder to put new measures into effect. There are people who probably are infected right now in major metro areas, don't know it, will test positive in the next couple of days. But there are still things we can do, whether wearing masks, cutting out uh, trips to crowded places, uh, and, and just taking some of the same boring, annoying, I get it, I'm tired of it too, but the precautions that we lived with last year, ramping those back up for now. And it wouldn't surprise me to see local officials echo that and try to put masking requirements back in place. Saw that in New York, saw that in Rhode Island. I think more of that is on the way. Well, Dan Diamond, thank you so much for joining us. Dan Diamond is a health reporter from The Washington Post, and he just broke down everything we needed to know. Thanks so much for having me, and I hope you all stay safe. You too, and hopefully we can have you back soon with the better updates and more updates. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, coming up, (laughs) we're going to pivot a little bit because news coming out about Kanye West's independent campaign. Yeah, you remember that? Well, you won't believe who was actually secretly running it. (laughs) Or maybe you will. Or maybe you will. (laughs) Because I did. (laughs) That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh, my God. I'm calling for help. A huge SOS because a new reports and new documents show Kanye West 
that doomed White House campaign. <laughs> um, it appeared to have been disguised potentially um, that millions of dollars in service it received from a secretive network of Republican Party operatives, including advisors to the GOP elite and managing partner at one of the top cons- uh, conservative political firms in the country. So... What's even more alarming about this is the Kanye 2020 campaign committee did not even report paying some of the advisors and used an odd abbreviation for another moves with a campaign finance experts saying that appeared uh, designed to mask the mask um, association between known GOP operatives in the campaign and could constitute a violation of federal laws. So basically, this is all a ploy. His run was a ploy. Yeah, I mean, literally, mm, yeah. I saw this tweet this morning with by the author of Who Broke the Story on the Daily Beast, and I retweeted, and I said, this is quite literally the least shocking thing that I've read this morning. Yeah. I mean, probably, and it just yeah. took me back to a time in 2020 when I was mad at a lot of uh, hip-hop heads who are cishet black men because it seemed like they were hijacking the election. We had Lil Wayne, we had Ice Cube, we had 50 Cent. These are very highly influential black men in entertainment. Mm. And Kanye, of course, just added to that. I never took him seriously, and I knew he was you know a Trump operative that's how I'm looking at him yeah I love how this guy Jordan Libowitz uh, who is from Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington says you're not just going to trip and find your way into these Republican circles meaning (laughs) everything is very intentional with this Mm -hmm. and of course I wouldn't be surprised like there is definitely ego in it he likes putting on a show but I, I wouldn't be surprised if him and Trump were like yeah do it like you're probably not going to get elected but you'll have fun you'll get a lot of attention you know, we could we could do it together. We'll help each other out. Okay, so can we think about this side of it? Because I'm just this is like a devil's advocate thing here. During that time when he was doing his independent campaign, it felt like we were also watching him have major mental health breakdowns. Yep. Do you uh-huh. feel that Republicans maybe took advantage of this and said, "Well, what if we show support with him and put him in oh, and say encourage this mess, but we're actually do, behind the scenes doing some dirty work to to make sure that we're good and we're just helping you know fuel the the things that we oh. need to feel when we know this isn't going to work. Yeah, of course they they did that. Remember when Kanye was in bed, so to speak, with Candace Owens? But I thought it was interesting because some people on Twitter had reframed this and said that they thought that Kanye was some sort of Manchurian candidate who was really working for the Dems. And I'm like, Kanye has been one of the most consistent public figures in recent years. So even with respect to the argument that you just presented with mental health, Kanye has been consistent with no indication of wavering. He has been consistent right wing. That's just what it is. He, I mean, I, mean, I he believe slavery was I, just wanted, I just wanted to give us a nice little talking point. Now, uh, let us know your thoughts at LGT Show everywhere um, on social media. Uh, right now, coming up, we have top of the hour headlines. Senator Bernie Sanders actually joined a Kellogg, uh, is it Kellogg? Yeah, Kellogg employees as they were striking. We're playing what he had to say coming up next. Don't go anywhere. More show coming up after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we are back with the top of the hour. You know we got a whole bunch of show. Coming up this hour with everything going on in the world, we have only one question. Why the hell are we still at work? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, my God. Plus, there's a horrific trend on TikTok that is honestly going to blow your mind. Because when I found out, honestly, when we all found out, I was sick to my stomach. So stick around for that because we're diving in. But first, what's happening in those headlines here? 
Lots going on today. Uh, so Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia is jumping into the race to fill the seat of Representative Alan Lowenthal, who will give it up at the end of 2022. Garcia is the first Latino and first openly gay mayor in Long Beach's history. Come on. Yes, he has strong connections to California's LGBTQ community and immediately drew the endorsement of the LGBTQ group Equality California as well. So an early Yaz queen to... Mayor Garcia. Well, here's the thing. Um, I I don't know if he has any control of this, but I just want them to to like build more into that aquarium because I went to the Long Beach Aquarium. How was it? When my mom was here, it was very disappointing. I'm not Have shame. you ever been to the Shed Aquarium in Chicago? No, I, actually, have I? No, no I don't that's think I have an aquarium. Well, no. here's the thing. Me and my mom, as a tradition, when I was growing up, anytime we traveled, we would always go to like super educational spots, and the aquarium was always always my favorite. Same. Took her here when she was in town. I was like, oh, is it? You mean to tell me off the coast they didn't have the good aquatic life? I just couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. So I'm going to hit up this Long Beach mayor since he got a new position. I should mention I saw on the news this morning that he lost both of his parents to COVID last year. (gasps) Oh, Oh, no. no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, onwards and upwards. And we're happy that he's, uh, (laughs) you know, continuing and doing some great work. Like now, a, this seems like a COVID-themed episode. I didn't mean to bring the mood down. No, I know. Come on, bring Shira, it down, Shar. It was Shira's reaction. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. I was like, There's, what else is there to say? That sucks. Like, it's horrible. Um, all right. So let's move on to Senator Bernie Sanders, who's rallying with striking Kellogg's workers in Battle Creek, Michigan. If you love America, and I have all, you know, come from the Senate, every politician there, how much they love America. I got the big American flags. If you love America, you love the workers. It honestly he sounds and like he's. If you uh, love American oh, workers, you don't <laughs> ship their jobs to desperate people in Mexico and pay them ninety cents an hour. Now he's done. Okay, he sounds right. like he's like in a Seinfeld Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Like, he does. He great, does sound like that guy. A great message, but I wish he had like a vocal coach of some sort. Definitely Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's what I picked. It's very Larry David that. adjacent. Yes, very <laughs> that. You know, is that the person that they were saying that uh, Joy Behar finds yes. attractive, Larry David? She likes oh. thin Jewish guys, thin nerdy Jewish guys. That's like her. Da- that's like her type. And she's a chuckle effer. Ch- oh, yeah. I just learned that term. Yeah. Do you know what that means, Shira? I don't know what that Being is. Being a chuckle effer, that means you like to have sex with people who nope. are funny. And you like it. You like them and you are you get horned up because they are funny. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a good sense of humor? Me post-pandemic. <laughs> Any break I can get. Any break I can get. Right. Uh, now, as the world faces the growing threat of climate disasters, like these tornadoes we're seeing, which have claimed at least 88 lives and caused countless injuries and property damage, there's actually interest in using drones to help out with them, whether it's to capture the devastation, map danger zones, or even hunt for trapped vi- uh, victims. And advocates envision a future filled with these flying drones. The device is becoming as common at emergency sites in a new era as fire trucks and helicopters. And that's uh, according to a story in the Washington Post. Just found that really fascinating. That whole thing. Well, now it's time for the tea report. All right. Uh, we yeah, were... that's what's trending this hour, y'all. <laughs>
We were just talking about Curb Your Enthusiasm, and now I have to bring in one of the actors for the T-Report, Jeff Garland. It was revealed that he will not return to ABC's The Goldbergs. Have either of you ever watched The, the Goldbergs, an episode? No. Uh, yeah, I've watched it sometimes. I, yeah, I watched the first season or so, but no, um, no, thank you. there's a series of misconduct allegations that led to investigations by the network into the actor's behavior on set, which some said was abusive. Now, Garland had allegedly used inappropriate language during production and often addressed the female crew, not by their names, but by nicknames he had come up with that some considered offensive. His departure was reportedly a mutual decision, which I don't believe that, and the actor between the actor and Sony. Now, what I find interesting is earlier this month, he sat down with Vanity Fair when this investigation was first launched, and he said, it's always the same thing. It's about me and my silliness on set. They don't think it's appropriate. I do. That's where it's at. He's, he's, ca- he's saying he's calling it silliness. That's what he says. And he also went on to say that uh, when he works on Curb Your Enthusiasm, if he's not cursing and coming up with nicknames and I guess being crude on set, people ask him if he's okay. Mm. But the goal is different. And Curb it's Your Enthusiasm. It's a different th- thank uh, you. environment. Thank yeah. you. It's a totally different environment. Now, he will remain on Curb Your Enthusiasm where he is a main cast member and I think he's an executive producer. Unless people start coming out and saying more horrible stories about him. Yeah, this kind of disappointed me but i would like to know for personal reasons what some of these nicknames were i, I would like no, to know i don't want to know any of I that i would like to know i don't want to know any of that so he's gone but you know it'll, it'll be interesting because in real life the grandfather on the goldbergs passed away last year how will they write the he's the dad he is the patriarch of the family i'd be interested to see as, uh, how the writers are going to get around his departure well COVID. anyone who cares let us know at lgt I show like the goldbergs i mean I, I watch too many other things, and, and the Goldberg. You know is what? He, he, he could get enough. He has the syndication money. It's all good. He's oh good. yeah, at this point. Yeah. Great. So of course he's going to continue to get paid for being awful. Anyway, we're getting the out Hollywood of Hollywood way. The top of the hour headlines and the T report every hour on the hour. So stick around for that. But coming up, from the pandemic to climate change, Americans are still expected to work no matter what happened. How's that affecting us all? Well, here, listen to our trauma up next. Oh God. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, for the past two years, we've all had to deal with racial injustice, some more than others, climate change, and the pandemic. And with all of that, Americans are still expected to work. Woo! Oh, my goodness, I'm triggered already, but we're just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob Remus, a history professor in the Gallatin School of Individualized Study at New York University, where, honestly, he works on a whole bunch of stuff and is about to tell us about the history of all of this and why... And how this is all really affecting us. Thank you so much for joining the conversation, Jacob. 
My pleasure. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see how you feel at the end of this. <laughs> no, but I think what's interesting, um, you were quoted in an article on Vox.com that really talked about the history of this. And historically, how have we been able to kind of access the things that we've gone through from the past to tell us how we'll get through all of these difficult moments that we're currently living in? I, mean, I think that uh, people have talked about the history of difficult things in, in lots of ways. Sometimes it's to commemorate them and to say, we got through this, and so we'll get, we got through the, this bad thing in the past, and so we'll get through this bad thing in the future. That's kind of an optimistic way of looking at things. I think other people sometimes say, well, uh, things have always gotten worse, and things are going to continue to get worse. Um, the way I like to think about uh, history and um, kind of the history of difficult times is to think about how uh, you look at the past and things were done differently there. Uh, life used to be organized in different ways. Societies were organized in different ways. Uh, the world that we have now and the bad things that we're having to go through now uh, aren't just natural. They aren't just uh, the way things have to be. They were put in place by actions that people in the past took. And that means that we can make new decisions now and make things better in the future. Definitely. But with that said, um, you know, there's two sides to this. There's the great resignation, which I want to get your take on historically, what that will mean. And then the fact that, you know, people are still working through, obviously, pandemic, uh, the natural disasters happening. Like, how sustainable is all of this? I mean, I think that... uh, it's not sustainable. I think this is this is what we are learning right now. Is that uh, we uh, we the world, we the United States, are on a course that's that's not sustainable. Things are getting we're we're losing our democracy. We are heating the planet to a point that uh, will increasingly make human habitation in parts of the world uh, difficult or impossible. We uh, continue to destroy cities with war. I, I don't think it's sustainable at all. Yeah, so I know I noticed while I was reading this that, you know, there's a, seems to be an emphasis on mental health and the emotional and psychological consequences that, you know, labor can have on the individual and the collective whole. How do we navigate this moving forward, especially given that conversations about mental health have been amplified within the last, you know, two years or so? Yeah, I, mean, I think a lot I think a lot of the time when we talk about mental health, uh, it has a very uh, individual personal resonance, right? Uh, I am, uh, I have a particular uh, need. I need to treat it with uh, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or in myself, but it's a, it's a personal individual question. I think one of the things we're seeing now is the limits of that sort of paradigm, the limits of trying to think about mental health or wellness as an individual problem and to increasingly see it as a group problem, as a group uh, condition that we're only going to be able to get through this, not if we take care of ourselves, not if I just do the thing I need to do to get to the next day, but if we all work together and we work in solidarity with each other and improve not only my own condition, but the condition of my neighbors and my coworkers. Yeah, but let's be honest here because capitalism runs this country and it runs the entire world. Okay. And, and capitalism at the end of the day is going to, I mean, is the reason why a lot of people ignore the mental health issues that a lot of us are going through. So if capitalism is our only system that we're navigating in, how are we supposed to get better? 
Well, I don't think capitalism, uh, capitalism doesn't necessarily have to mean every person always for themselves. There, there has been, there, there is still it? capitalism with unions, with solidarity, uh, but still a market-based economy. So we don't have to uh, throw out the idea of markets uh, and exchange value uh, and, and being hired through the wage system, all of those things that are capitalism, in order to say uh, we have to work together to make our lives better. And I think the, the, the simple answer is, is just empirical. If we don't do that, if we don't uh, work together to make our lives better, we're, it's not going to work. The only way people in this country or in other countries have ever uh, improved their lives is by working together. Yeah, and, and kind of back to bringing up the, the great resignation again, like historically, have we seen this before? And how did um, we previously, and I, I know this is unprecedented, but like we previously react in these situations, did companies close shut or shut down? Uh, you know, how are we going to be informed by what we're going through right now for the future? Well, it's, I'm hard pressed to find, to, to think of a moment in which um, on an individual level, uh, individuals made the decision that they were going to, um, to not work. But I'm not 100% sure that we're really seeing that now either. I think we're seeing that on the margins and we're seeing, um, we're seeing people reconsider what their priorities are, but uh, we still don't have a, a functioning welfare state in this country. And so uh, people are going to work, yeah. uh, people have to work or they're going to starve. But I, but I do think uh, what we're seeing is people rethinking what, um, what labor should look like and what the relationship between their lives and, um, and the, rest their, their, the rest of their lives and their jobs should be. And I think the best example I can think of uh, in history uh, that is like that is the period from 1865 to, say, uh, maybe 1886, or we can, go, we can go later and say around 1900, yeah. uh, which is to say the period after emancipation in which the whole country, especially uh, newly free black people, but, but white people in the industrial north also, people all over the country were debating and thinking about what does free labor look like? What should the relationship between employer and employee look like when it's not going to be slavery? And there are all of these discussions, there are all of these fights, there are literally street fights, there are bombs, there's the U.S. Army marching on the streets uh, to make this decision. And what we eventually, the decision that kind of we eventually decided on in the, by, the, by the 1930s was that uh, we were going to have a 40-hour work week, we were going to have an eight-hour day, uh, we were going to have, um, we were going to allow people to make enough money that they could buy consumer goods like a washing machine or, or a car. But none of those things were, uh, were obvious or were definitely going to happen. And so you see in the, in the late 19th century uh, real fights over this and demands for 70 years to have an eight-hour day, not just so that people could rest, but also so that people could be educated, yeah. so that people could participate in politics, so that people could go to church. All of those things had to be fought for, and it was part of this back and forth between employers and workers 
about what was work going to look like. And I think we're in a very similar position now. No, and I think that that those type of things to talk about are so important. And really talking about that in the, from the past perspective really has shaped where we're at now. But I, I kind of want to go back to what we were talking about from an individualized perspective and how if we all kind of just come together and work together and all these things. But I feel like even that is nuanced because we can't even one decide on, you know, critical race theory in this country. I, mm-hmm. Like, I think all of these things are nuanced and some people don't even want to talk about racism and the things that, you know, marginalized groups go in through this country. So for me, that that coming together thing will never happen if we can't even talk about the basis things that are actually wrong with this country. And the systems. Yeah, that I, mean, run. I think you make a convincing argument uh, that that well, it's maybe not even just convincing. That, I live it because I'm black and queer. <laughs> no, no, well, but I, but I think that the, so. The counter argument, which I'm not 100 percent sure I believe, but the okay. counter argument is it doesn't matter. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to argue, or you don't have to convince people about uh, not to be white supremacists. You don't have to convince people uh, not to be homophobes. All you have to do is convince people that they want to make more money and that they want to have a better life themselves, themselves and to build structures in which the way that they're going to have a better life and that they're going to make more money is rather than doing so on the backs of black people or rather than doing so on the backs of immigrants or rather than doing so on the backs of uh, gay people or uh, women is to do it together because, in fact, that's what's going to work, right? What, what, that, hmm. that's, that's actually the, the, I mean, the right, I get, I the right what, answer. I get what you're saying, but I just rather not, especially with lives, sometimes, I mean, not even sometimes, but being at risk and lives being lost, I'd rather not have to compromise my identity just because I need to make someone comfortable to get on the right page. I, 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 I totally agree. <laughs> and I, don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's suggesting no, compromising no. your identity. Yeah. I think that, I think that the, um, but if the choice is, um, if the choice is uh, not compromising your identity, being yourself, and and demanding your rights, uh, or um, doing and winning and doing that and losing, I mean, I think there's a I think there's a um, there's a strategy yeah. that uh, we need to have, and I don't think it's about compromising on on the on the. You know value what? and the importance oh. of black lives or of gay lives or right, of right. women's all lives. lead back to the almighty dollar, the American way. Well, yes. thank <laughs> unfortunately. You. Honestly, thank you so much. This was a really great conversation and I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine it without anyone but you. So thanks so much for joining us, Jacob Rebus. Well, thanks so much for having me. Well, I hope to have you back soon, but we got more show coming up yet. Next, don't go anywhere, y'all. There is this new trend on TikTok that is literally, I mean, it's disgusting. Find out more coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, let me be very clear about this next segment that we're about to talk about, um, about this new TikTok trend that is literally going viral. It's absolutely disgusting. We will not be glamorizing this. I just want to talk about how crazy folks are because this is wild. Are, y'all good with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. This is mm-hmm. also disturbing. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's all of the awful adjectives. Well, I, unfortunately, I think we, we have a responsibility to cover it because parents and people need to know what type of stuff is being shared on social media. Yeah. 
um, and and to be aware of what their kids are consuming. So here is the trend, the vague and, and viral TikTok trend warning of nationwide school violence on Friday. Basically, what's the hashtag? It's it, it's like, um, oh my goodness, I'm pulling it up right now. It's the hashtag uh, national shoot up your school day. And <sighs> this, this TikTok-based challenge is encouraging students to threaten violence against uh, schools nationwide. Actually, today, it was supposed to happen today. Yeah. And it just feels so disgusting after, I think, one of the most deadliest shootings that just happened. Weeks ago. It hasn't even been a month. And the fact that this is a new challenge, sure, as a TikTok queen, what, what, I mean, why are these trends happening to, for, like, what do you think this is coming from? Because, unfortunately, kids are still kids and emotionally unevolved and immature. And people want to do things for attention, not knowing the consequences. And also then I would say on the other side, parents not really watching their kids and really seeing what's going down. Uh, You know, my, a family member of mine recently revealed when I was back in Montreal, how she went and looked at, you know, her kids snaps. And this is a a kid that's overall very good, good grades, listens, right? And, um, oh my like God, they're like a teenager. Say. No, they're just like a teenager. Uh, like a, yeah. I mean, like pretty, uh, tw- no, I think he's like 12 or something. Oh, you know? okay. Like That's young so, teen, yeah. like a young teen. And they were saying just such horrible stuff to each other on snap. Like she was disgusted and it really shows like, you do not know what's going on behind the scenes, even if your kid is amazing. So it's like, it's also up to the parents to be watching and seeing what's going on. And like, you know, what is what is your kid sharing and creating and putting out there? Well, and that's the thing, right? Because kids oftentimes are more tech savvy than their parents. That's why things like Finsta exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember an, an ABC correspondent actually lost her son to a fentanyl overdose because he was in communication with the dealer through Snapchat where the snaps disappear and stuff. Oh, and it's been wow. hard to they, I don't think the authorities have been able to track him down. He was using a ghost phone or something. I don't know. Oh. Nevertheless, yeah. uh, I just find this incredibly vile. I remember when I was in high school, like we I remember there was like a threat of like a hit list. But there to to see people galvanize, to yeah. see these students galvanize across the country and decide that they're going to disrupt so close to the holidays on top of that yeah. and then pull a prank like this. I'm literally reading an, an article on CBS News right now about how so many schools did step up patrols. They did alert parents not to alarm them, but more so to inform them. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if I were a parent, I don't know if I'd send my kid to school today because how do you determine what's a prank and what and, and, oh, yeah, and who's going to totally. who's going to take advantage of something like and, this? And my thing is, it, we talk about the 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 responsibility that these platforms have. And TikTok said that it had begun removing the warnings from its platform as misinformation. But that happened this afternoon. It's too late. Is there any way that they can get ahead of this? Like, what do y'all think? Yeah, I think so. I mean. I get videos reviewed that are barely, I mean, not bad at all. Okay. So if they can well, uh, limit, I didn't say creatively, but, uh, <laughs> and then, but you know, if they could limit, whether it be uh, different groups of people like minority uh, communities or marginalized communities, um, if they can limit that, I think they can figure out AI wise how to make sure that any videos around shootings or violence don't stay up. And get well, that's, shared. that's the thing that puzzles me, because, Ryan, I believe we've talked about this in the past. There have been TikTok videos to float down our Twitter timeline where if you put like black people or black oh. lives matter, like 
TikTok is flagging it, but then yeah. people to show like yeah. the inverse of that, if they put like, you know, white hashtag white lives matter or white supremacy, the video uploads. It's the algorithm. So it's, it's, like, it's messing everything up. And I think for me, it's like, it, it is the parents, but it's also like these platforms in all honesty, they have to yep. find out how to be more on top of this yep. where these things aren't even going viral. Yep. This can't be happening. It's already too late at this point. Like fl- Keywords should be flagged. Yeah. And I will say the U.S. Department of Homeland Security said it has no evidence to suggest the claims are credible, but encourage the public to, quote, uh, remain alert. I can't believe this is a trend. I don't even really know. Quick, really quickly, I see this. What, what if this evolves to something like uh, the, the Ralph's Day? Hashtag, you know, do-do-do-do-do at the grocery store day. You just never know. It could be a trade of Yeah, it's, it's, it's really alarming what it could possibly happen. But we're going to switch gears here because um, we have to talk about this waitress who was fired after receiving a huge tip. And I guess she didn't want to share it. I guess that's what happened. Ridiculous. Yeah, we got to talk about it coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, an Arkansas waitress was fired after she received a $4,000 tip. The reason why is because the manager thought that everyone should get a cut, including him. Now, did she deserve to get fired, y'all? No. No. And, and including since the story got so much attention, it's just now even a worse look, the fact that she got fired. It's yeah, like all around it, a bad decision. It looks like you're jaded. Now, I'm someone I've never worked in food or or hospitality. I've only my work history aside from broadcast is literally cosmetics, like makeup and brows and yeah. stuff. But I do remember like I had a friend that like worked at a strip club, for example. Okay. And she was yeah. a bar, she was a bartender. <laughs> but she was the first person I remember hearing like when you got it, if you get a large tip, everybody get a piece of the pie, which well, I never understood. At, uh, establishments like that, there is kind of a pool type of situation. OK, explain to me why. Why there's because if I'm the one yeah. doing the work and let's say I don't know someone comes in and they really enjoy my service and they tip me why now is it on me is it American capitalism well, why I got to share you know, with everybody you know what's uh, mm-hmm. who's uh, who's actually famous for this is the uh, the pump rules the the sir okay sir is a restaurant here in Los Angeles that is a rent uh, owned Lisa by Vanderpump. Lisa Vanderpump and the the servers there because they're only open it's really for establishments who are only open for a certain amount of hours so if you're only open from like five to like 11, you pull all of that together because normally with the more expensive um, entrees and things like that, you're getting larger tips and the more money you come in, everyone can kind of end. And it also is initiative. Everyone needs to pull their weight and get the, and get the bag. Yeah. In. And so for me, I've never worked at a restaurant that did pull, um, but I've told the story here that I was once given a $700 tip on like a $10, wow. um, on a $10 drink situation. Okay. And I immediately, I wasn't, well, my managers had to verify that the guy wasn't drunk to make sure that he meant to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my like bar- you want to know uh, hustlers, yeah, J-Lo stuff. Well, you know, honey, <laughs> you know, you got to shake the tatas a little bit and get in the deuce change things. But, I mean, after that, I, I ended up giving a piece to my bartender, but the fact that they were, oh. everybody in the, in the whole building, including the manager, thought he should get a piece? Girl, screw you. Yeah, so you wouldn't have wanted to put this in that like group tipping thing. No, because it was for her. She earned that. The people who left that wanted her to receive. That's a that pretty gift. big one. Yeah, like maybe asking for like, hey, can you give twenty percent to the group or something? No, uh, why? Okay, okay, here's my thing that's getting under my skin about this entire conversation is I we all have worked in work environments where there's that one coworker who's not pulling their weight. Yes, they ain't doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And then what about that coworker that I don't like? 
that that you mean part. to tell me that oh. get some of my no, money? No, Sherry, because look, you have to understand no. when working as a server, you're kind of doing it. It's it's all individual. We're all hustling. Yeah, we'll help doing our things in the back to make sure everything is kind of being kept up and like little side work. But when you're at your tables and doing your thing, unless you're on a party with multiple servers and y'all are splitting that type of stuff, it's all on you. Her getting that tip means that she gave premier service to whoever wanted to offer her that mm-hmm. as the like as a special gift, especially around the holidays. Yeah, that's nobody think, else's damn business. Yeah, I think that stuff like this, like it's for regular tipping. I think when the crazy tip like this happens, like there needs to be acknowledgement that this is your gift almost like yeah. you did the work. This is for you. Well, real quick, as we're wrapping this up, there was a writer who wrote an opinion piece about this saying that this should actually be the the example of why we should end tips. In Here's general. the thing. Here's the thing. I think that I wish that it was included. Like it's just a 20% like that it was included in Girl, um, the check. And then if you want to add more, you can add more. Okay, that right. that's that like a gratuity. Well, gratuity is a, it can be a thing on like, like a mandatory like a large, tip. Yeah, depending on what restaurants you go to, there will be a g- gratuity already added into it. Our large parties, if it's a, a party of six, there's gratuity added on there. So it's like that does happen. Um, but I also I think people need to realize that tipping needs to be a, a thing, and servers are not making any money when they're talking about the well, clocking an hour. Shira's idea makes the most sense to me. If you make a mandatory tip, that's kind Thank of just you. on the bill because we know people who don't tip we know people who give the bare minimum you like know, i tip just because honestly i'm black and i know so i know how the stereotype talk. yeah i've worked well if we had are- equity <laughs> oh my god we got more show coming up next don't go anywhere oh my god there's this great story that we're talking about um next hour a non-binary tiktoker is uh, taking biden to task on that student loan record girl we gonna talk about it coming up next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Woo! We are back for another hour. And uh, honey, if you're just now joining us, it is our last live show of 2021. And Sharjah yep. Sell is here joining me and Shira in studio. I'm glad to be here with you too. We, we love Before the here. dawn of the apocalypse. Yeah, I mean, you've really been a lifesaver because you, uh, you've been around uh, here filling in for Shira. She's been going yeah. through her, the COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's looking this month better. This has least, been rough. At least she has her color back because two weeks ago she looked like Casper on she, Zoom. I mean, she still kind of does. I still would recommend a tan. But. <laughs> That's because I'm white, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but coming up this hour we've got a fun hour coming up here especially if you've been listening to our show being like damn it's dark um i promise you it's a fun come hour coming up here's something you might have been thinking about um getting a matchmaker and why you should maybe consider it plus neon by glad is joining us to chat about their new change maker series that highlights black queer small business owners shira what are you drinking over there because first i need to get into what's trending this hour <laughs> I heard your. What am I, I drinking? Heard, I heard your eyes. Was that ice? I heard oh, your... I kicked the table and my the glasses hit. Sorry, um, but hey, maybe I heard I it. That's why I was drinking. like, you know, I just. Girl, you know, <laughs> no, I haven't actually had a drink in two. I haven't had a drink since Thanksgiving. Really? We should have bought a bottle of wine or something, and just me and Char would have had a moment. Anyway, I'm still recovering. Get into these headlines. Yes, let's get into it. Amid the announcement that President Biden won't extend student loan relief, non-binary journal. Spehar is calling him out on his past support of legislation in their TikTok series under the desk news. And here's a highlight from that. When I say those student loans are between Joe Biden and God, this is what I mean. 
In 1972, a 29-year-old Joe Biden won his first seat in the Senate and quickly rose to be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, the committee that oversees bankruptcy legislation. He personally led the effort to make it more difficult for Americans to reduce their debt through bankruptcy. In 1977, he sided with a group that argued student loan borrowers were just using bankruptcy to get out of their loans, something that had only happened 1% of the time. And in 1978, even though the rest of the Democratic Party told him it would be unwise and unjust, he was one of three Democrats who pushed through legislation that made student loans unforgivable through bankruptcy. So when he says student loan repayment starts again in February, I say those loans are between you and God. And that's a, oh. real quick, that's a, because you kind of went out when uh, you announced who it was. It was non-binary journalist V. Uh, Sefar, I believe that's how you pronounce the name. Spehar. Spehar. Um, either way, I love that they're calling him out. Yeah, I, I love that there are journalists out there doing their own independent stuff, like on social media and really reporting the news that we need to know. And talking about it. And, you know, and uh, of course, we, <laughs> we, we know that politicians change their ways over the years. But I think that with something like this, Biden really needs to prove that he it, like put his money where his mouth is. Right. Uh, and uh, while he hasn't approached it well in the past, he has the uh, opportunity to do it better in the future. Okay, now finally here on What's Trending This Hour, Pfizer and BioNTech completed their request to the FDA to approve their COVID-19 vaccine for children as young as 12. And that has been announced today. And so, yeah, if you have a child of that age range, they can now uh, get the vaccine. It's been well, they're asking for it to be approved. So that's coming up very soon. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Well, I mean, who didn't see this coming? A search warrant was issued for actor Alec Baldwin's cell phone just yesterday, nearly two months after uh, the shooting in New Mexico on the set of Rust. We all know that it that he well, it it it. The death of Helena Hutchins. I'm trying to be pick my language because, you know, when he was with George Stephanopoulos, he said he doesn't accept responsibility. He like, pulled the trigger, he said. <sighs> Anywho, um, Santa Fe magistrate court and authorities requested the phone to, quote, search for any evidence relating to the ongoing investigation. Now, as far as this is concerned, I don't. Do you all think they're going to find anything? Well, that's why I'm, I was sitting here wondering, what's the reason they need his cell phone? That's interesting. Well, because he's part of it. He's a witness and he's been part of it. So I'm not surprised that they need that. I don't know if they're going to find anything, what, what, but they what, might want to see. Th- that's what, the, in my mind, the only thing they're going to find is conversation as, for the aftermath. After, like, this wasn't a conspiracy, I don't think, as far as him conspiring. Like, yeah, put the gun in the bullet. Yeah. It, or the I just think the they're doing it just because they need yeah. to do it. But I don't think like, I mean, I, I mean yeah, there could be the uh, the possibility that he was involved. But we all know that's probably not. The case. Well, I mean, after Jesse Smiley, anything's possible. Well, it's funny that you say that because Aaron Dyer, who is Baldwin's civil attorney, said that they believe the evidence will show that Baldwin is not civilly or criminally responsible for okay. the fatal shooting. So maybe this will work in his favor. Well, all righty. That is your T-Report, and that was your Top of the Hour news. Guess what? We always have everything you need at the Top of the Hour on the Hour, so stick around for that. But coming up, let's talk relationships, because we have a leading LGBTQ relationship expert literally joining us to tell us why we should be considering a matchmaker. I don't know if she's trying to get hired, but we about to see. Coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
Now, if shows like Millionaire Matchmaker scared you away from the age-old dating process, now may be the time to revisit those professionals who play Cupid. And actually, one of them are joining us, Tammy Shackley, leading LGBTQ plus relationship expert and president of one of the country's top LGBTQ certified matchmaking companies, H4M Matchmaking. Thank you so much for joining us, Queen. Thank you, Shira. I'm oh. hoping to inspire some singles. <laughs> well, guess what? You're going to be okay. so shocked because I'm not a woman and I'm Ryan. I'm, yeah, and I'm Shira. <laughs> Actually, I'm Ryan. My bad. My bad. You know, oh, now man. it's all good. It, guess what? It's a queer station, so, you know, depending on identities, it, it can go either way. So, But thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We love everybody, and we hope you love us. Well, I hope you do, too, as running an LGBTQ station. Um, But here's the thing. I would love to know, and I always like to ask, like, matchmakers or experts in their field, what was the moment that made you decide that you were qualified to be a matchmaker? Let me tell you, my background is news. I love to interview people. I worked in politics. I know diplomacy. And then my passion was philanthropy, working in charities so i know compassion and i think those three qualities really helped me embrace lgbtq singles and not judge but lead with love yeah i mean it's that is also important and because you know it's hard to find someone who is a relationship expert or a matchmaker in the community um, and that's why yeah this work is so important so how do you do your work What's your process? It's not easy. If this were easy, everybody would be doing it. I'm in the business of humans, and I'm in the industry of love that's highly emotional. And so I take it with each client, each single, learning who they are, where they are in their life's journey, getting to know them truly through an hour-and-a-half interview and then introducing them to each other. It's that simple on the backside of it. Now, I'm someone who is single with a capital S. Same. (laughs) I want to know, well, this is kind of like a two for one. How do you know when it's time for a matchmaker? And have you ever turned anyone away after interviewing them? Oh, good question. Oh, it breaks. Thank you both. It breaks my heart to turn someone away. I will only take a client if I feel like I can be successful in setting them up. So, for example, I just interviewed a fantastic woman that just moved to Wisconsin. We don't have a lot of singles there that are looking for her, that she's looking for them, that they would be compatible. So I've said to her, give me six months, and I'm going to build that bank of those singles that are going to be compatible with you, and let's work together then. So to answer your question, when is it time? I don't know. Maybe in your own journey, if you're frustrated, if you're wanting to outsource, I interviewed a single today that just got a major promotion. He knows he's not going to have time to do the searches on his own. He's going to focus on his career. So he's outsourced it to us. So it's each a personal decision and timing. Okay, so I, I, I'm so happy you were able to bring that up because for me, I've always 
I think I'm one of the people who kind of fell into the idea of the kind of the stigma that circles around matchmaking in the sense of like people are you may feeling like there's a bit of desperation of having to hire someone to find your partner and you kind of it, it, it you start to think of the insecurities of like well why am I not good enough to be able to do it myself what do you say to the people who kind of feel like that there is a stigma towards getting a matchmaker who feel like it's a bit desperate yeah good question it's one of our greatest marketing frustrations because hiring a matchmaker does not mean that you can't get a date you can get a date everyone you know can get a date but are you really meeting a compatible single that is quality that you could have a long-term committed sustainable relationship with so i encourage all my clients keep dating on your own that's i mean if you want a margarita this friday night (laughs) find you someone to meet for a margarita but when i call you everyone i introduce has done the same interview with me for an hour and a half they've done the same criminal background check this is someone you would introduce to your closest friend in your dearest family, and that it has a chance of a real long-term relationship. When I hired a matchmaker, how I looked at it is, sister can get a date, but I no longer mow my own lawn. I no longer change my own oil. Yes, I used to do that in my Jeep. (laughs) And so I'm going to outsource this to somebody that does this full-time. And that's what I think hiring a matchmaker is about. Not about desperation. It's about delegating, outsourcing, give somebody else who has the time the chance to do your search. Right. Ryan and I were talking about this off air because I'm like, listen, if I meet someone through a matchmaker, it would make sense. I'd I'd imagine that we're there for the same reasons. I wasn't looking at it from like, like we just had a difference of opinion when it came to the idea of matchmaking. Um, So what are your retention rates? Because I'm someone, I mean, listen, my identities are intersectional. I'm a woman, I'm black, and I'm trans. So so what what does that look like? (laughs) It looks like, to me, in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, it's the same as everyone else. I believe everyone on this planet has their special someone if they are seeking their special someone. And sometimes people are happy being alone. They don't want a special someone in their life, and that's fine too. But if you want your special someone, whatever that looks like, I can guarantee you they are seeking you too. An example that I use is not everybody wants a ring on the finger on a, or a baby or a white picket fence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes folks just want their special someone to have equal independence, equal living arrangements, equal career or aspirations, or just lifestyle. But I think as a human, if you want your special someone, you will find them if you mm-hmm. seek them. If you don't, you uh-huh. won't. Well, Tammy, real quick, you know, as we wrap this up, I feel like as millennials and Gen Z years, we're having different conversations about what relationships look like for us, especially queer mm-hmm. and uh, queer people. I feel like, do you do, uh, you know, people who want to be monogamous and people who want to be a uh, kind of experiment Ooh. or play with polyamory? We do have some poly. We have some throuples. We have 
amazing couples that reach out to us that want a third. Sometimes we even refer them to another matchmaker, but that's their lane. And let's get them to the right matchmaker. We don't find ourselves competitive. We find ourselves collaborative. If you are seeking something in your life related to relationships, let's get you to the right professional that's going to help you out. Well, all right, everybody. If you have been wondering this, and you may have, guess what? You just found Tammy uh, Shackley, who is a leading (laughs) LGBTQ relationship expert and president of one of the country's top LGBTQ certified matchmaking companies, H4M Matchmaking. Thank you so much for joining us. You were incredible. My pleasure. Lead with love. Everybody has their person. Go find them. Yeah. Well, all right. Oh, great. Shira. Feel it. <laughs> all right. Well, we have more show coming up because what is a change maker? Well, Neon by Glad is joining us to chat about their new four part series that highlights black queer small business, uh, business owners. That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, one of my favorite parts about this job here at Channel Q is talking about the things that I love and today is no different. Let's talk about this four-part series called Change Makers by our good friends over at Neon by Glad and Ally Bank. This series is all about spotlighting black LGBTQ plus small business owners and their impact within local communities throughout the U.S. And joining me for this amazing conversation is Abdul Corlett, GLAD's creative director, co-founder of Neon by GLAD, and the director of the Change Maker series. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? No, I am great, and I'm so excited to be chatting with you because let me just tell you, your directorial skills are next level. (laughs) This was such a well-done, beautiful series. I mean, I got chills. Episode 3 dropped not too long ago, and I got literal chills from just watching these stories being told. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. That one gave us all feels like um, even during the editing process, you could feel the magic and the authenticity and how it reflected Detroit through uh, that subject's eyes. So I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. No, of course. And I, I want to start from the, the beginning here. Let's really back in because I guess how do you define a change maker? You know, a change maker um, doesn't have to be someone who is doing something necessarily globally, nationally, it could be very local. Um, so a change maker is anyone, regardless of it, whether it's one person or a whole nation, someone who's taking the time to use their um, skills to create a positive change in their communities. And in this particular series, we have four everyday people doing extraordinary things all across the U.S. Um, in big and small ways. So yeah. a change maker really is anyone who's um, doing the work, who's out there trying to make the world better than how they found it. No, and I, you, you really could tell that you all really wanted to highlight specific stories within our community and show it through a lens that makes sure to, to let the audience know that our, our community, you know, black queer folks are not a monolith, right? We are all different. We all have different experiences. How did you find these small businesses that you wanted to highlight during the series? What went into that? So one thing that is incredibly special about um, this content series being under NEON is that NEON in itself is a collective of Black, queer, trans folks, allies who come from 
um, all across the diaspora. And when the founder, Major Nesby, approached us with this idea, one thing that was ingrained in it was about collaboration. And so every project we've worked on has been extremely collaborative, hands-on, where everyone in the collective gets a say on who and what stories we spotlight. And so Changemakers was no, um, no different. We basically all shared a wish list of who we would like to feature um, and then kind of did our research, went through each small business and thought of like who would benefit from the spotlight, who would benefit from this style of storytelling and shared that list with Ally and together with them as an incredible partner, we honed in on these four yeah. small businesses. You know, I don't think I have to ask this next question, but I do feel like it's very important. Why is this series so necessary, especially now? You know, it's, it's seems like a simple question, but it's um, yeah. actually a big one and it's twofold. I think immediately, um, it's no secret that this pandemic, COVID-19, has disproportionately affected minority-owned businesses. And so we felt like it was our responsibility to take the time to really tell the stories of the small businesses out there that were fighting not just uh, the pandemic, but to keep their lights on, to make sure that they could survive another day, to create the change in their communities that is so necessary and vital to the lifeblood of where they're from, from these three cities that we um, spotlighted. And secondly, I think that often um, certain folks are off, are uplifted more than others. I think um, there are a lot of really popular businesses or individuals or influencers that um, tend to get a lot of shine and rightfully so in their own lane. And so we saw this was a great opportunity to kind of spread that shine out a little bit, to look at the underdogs or the quiet businesses or the folks that maybe aren't as well known but are doing just as impactful work and take the time to give them their flowers and to really look outside of like who we already know and um, just introduce or show new businesses to um, our audience. I can't say this enough to everyone listening right now. Please go check out this series. It's over on GLAD's YouTube page. Abdul Corlett, thank you so much for joining us. You are doing such incredible work. Neon by GLAD, Ally Bank, y'all are just absolutely incredible. And I, I'm so happy and honored that I got to chat with you for a little bit. <laughs> thank you so much. It was, it was my pleasure. And uh, hopefully we get to chat again. Uh, we're going to be putting out a lot of amazing work in 2022. So I look know. out. Yes, I, that's that's really what I wanted to know if there was more coming. So that's good to know. <laughs> 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 well, switching gears, let's get into the holiday spirit, because one thing I hate about Christmas is literally gift giving. Is it bad to ask someone for what they want directly or should you be paying attention throughout the year? We're discussing that up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so y'all know one thing about the holidays that stresses me out? What is it, Ryan? Oh, Shira, Char, it's, it's giving gifts. It's like one of those things mm. where I get so stressed out because it's now like, I don't know, not like I, eight, seven days until Christmas, and I literally haven't gotten one gift. And so my thing is, should, is it bad to just ask people what they want for Christmas or should you kind of be paying attention to clues throughout the year? Does that determine how good of a friend or a partner you are? 
Well, I'll say to some extent, yes. <gasps> Rude. <laughs> I do say to some extent, and I but I think it's a bit more. I think it's I lean stronger to that would if it's an intimate partner, if it's a romantic partner. Okay, um, I agree. See, that's not fair though, because I feel like some people are just not the types of people who like talk about the things they like. They're not in the present people. Thank you. And so then you just like end up buying them something that they're not even going to use. But that you don't necessarily have to talk about it. If you're an attentive and present in conversation and present in environment around me in my space, then you know what I like. For example, I like exotic teas. Everybody knows I like hot sauce. That's true. There are just certain things that like, you know. Thanks for letting me know, Char. I mean, no, that, she just I'm, let I'm me just know. I'm just saying when you're like around me, like That's I know true. Ryan could probably use a kitchen appliance and a new kitchen appliance wow. or two. Yes. Like, oh. because, because we've been on FaceTime, <laughs> like true. I also pay attention. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any harm in asking, but also I wouldn't ask. I would tell, okay, so for me, I've had to ask because how me and my mom, have, like growing up, it was one of those things where she always knew, of course. But like as I've gotten older, I just never really knew what I wanted. I always was like, mom, just cash at me. Just give me some money. Yeah. Call it a day, and now I'm. I find myself into in those moments where I'm like, I'm not the best gift giver. If I'm being quite honest, like that is something that I can admit because I get, I just sometimes just is, don't. You don't know. pay attention. Not that I don't pay attention, but there's so much in life that's going on that you just forget. Come on, Shark, call him out. I'm just. No, saying. I mean. He- Here's the thing is like, I feel like I've actually been pretty good at presents. Like I am a present giver. I've given everyone presents for their birthdays, for the holidays. Last year, remember I got you a record player, Ryan. That was true. It was like like a, it was a holiday and housewarming gift. That was a really good gift. Um, And so I do listen. Um, I am aware of like things that people like. I told you I wanted that. But yeah, no, I don't think you, well, no, but you just kept mentioning like, well, if someone wants to get me a present, it's not like I asked you to say it yet. Oh, God. That's me telling you. But here's here's (laughs) the thing. Like my partner is, you know, he's not into like buying stuff. Like he buys random things. I feel like anything I'd buy, like he wouldn't even use right now. So we've decided this year that we're not really going to buy each other presents. My parents have always, though, asked me for my birthday or any other occasion what I want. Like, they'll ask me because they want to get me something they know that I want, that it will be useful for that. my life. Well, I love that. I don't know if you heard about Chrissy Teigen and John Legend because they just recently made headlines because they said they don't exchange gifts on Christmas. It's for the kids, which I mean, and granted, if you're with someone, if you're in a romantic relationship, I suspect that you're getting gifts in one way or another throughout the year. So it's not necessarily that big a deal. Like, I don't think I'd be... Hmm. Well, no, let me not lie on air huh? uh, because I might be uh, huh? feeling some type of way if I were dating someone. And dating well, I wouldn't. Here's the thing. I am okay with like the idea of like probably what they're doing in, in, in similar ways. Like they're just giving each other gifts out throughout the year. Maybe if we, you know, put our funds together and we go do something special for the holidays. Yes. That sounds like really yes. fun. Like that sounds better than getting someone a gift. Like that can be both of our gifts where we can equally both enjoy it together. For me, that's the type of stuff that I like. buy a gift for you. The gift is for the other person. Well, well yeah. Then be, I, so Char, I'll, I'll admit something. Ryan and Char, I'll admit Last year, I did buy my partner um, a Roku. Did he ask for said Roku? Or was it more for me? Yeah, you were like really trying to convince him during that time to why buy a you, TV. Why did she you buy him- a Roku and you don't watch TV? No, she did. She wanted to. She wanted to be able to watch TV with him. Oh, okay. He literally has an old TV with no connection to Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, oh, yeah. nothing. yeah, yeah. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't see any harm in asking, though. But I think it's it's a bit more endearing to be surprised because, oh, you paid attention yeah. in some way, shape, or form. But I don't think people should feel bad if they're not great gift givers. That just sometimes is what happens. But coming up, we got Top of the Hour News and the Tea Report coming up next, honey. So jam out to a little Destiny And show, no one's getting a gift from me this year, just FYI. <laughs> the Gift of Love. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, it's time for my favorite part of the show, the Yes Queen. Yes Queen. Yes Queen. Wow, Shira, that (laughs) sounded lazy. I I want more from you next time. Yes Queen. Thank you, thank you, because this one's special. It goes out to literally the new show that just hit Amazon Prime. It's called With Love, and this show is so incredible. It features a very, very beautifully diverse crowd and uh, cast, I mean. And each of the show's five episodes take place on a different holiday over the course of a year, with the premiere episode centered on Christmas Eve. And the reason why we're giving this show our yes queen is because the one and only Isis King, friend of the show and just all, all the way icon, is literally playing the first trans um, romance in a holiday rom- rom-com. And she's so excited. She actually spoke to Variety about playing this role and saying she's so happy to be playing a happy character with no trauma. Ooh. Now, I want to be clear. This is a film, not a series, right? No, it's a series. Oh, it is a series. It's a five-episode series. Oh, just five episodes, yeah? Yeah. I'll I'll iron that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really really exciting. And also, some of our other faves in this is Kaylin Allen, um, EJ Johnson. Yes. Ron Flynn. I wasn't going to bring him up, but... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm just very excited here. And I know you were talking about you need some stuff to watch, so add this to the watch list. Love it. Appreciate that, Ryan, as usual. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. That- that's, that's my gift. You know, I said, you asked me if I, I wanted a gift from you. Your recommendations are a gift. <laughs> You're such an interesting human person. (laughs) All right, that is our yes queen. And honestly, oh my God, it's the weekend, huh? It's the that's the wrap of the show. It's the weekend. It's the holidays. Uh, We are back though next week. Yes. So definitely be on Channel Q for some great holiday music and cheer as well as more let's go there shows 2 to 6 p.m pacific 5 to 9 p.m eastern live period i know she's been waiting to do that charge i thank you so much for joining us we thank really you appreciate for having it. me it's always a good time i mean honestly they'll hear you next week yeah and of course if you want to uh check out any of the shows that you missed uh, head over to the odyssey app because it should already be downloaded on your phone what are you doing but in the meantime Shira, let's kick it off let's close this thing Sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Bye, y'all. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 